KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the Rundown, Philadelphia's local news podcast. It's Monday, October 18th, 2021. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm here with our producers, Brian Seltzer and Sabrina Boyd Circa. And we're joined today by KYW City Hall Bureau Chief Pat Lowe. Good to have you on this Monday, Pat. Thanks, Jay. Good to be here. Now, Pat's joining us because we're going to be looking at a bill that the Philadelphia City Council just passed called the Driving Equality Bill. That bill is meant to cut down on the number of minor violations where people are pulled over and the majority of those violations tend to end up targeting black drivers. Pat, what's your biggest takeaway from covering this story? You know, I think there should be some relief for black drivers in the city of Philadelphia. You know, I think it's a well-designed bill. The police have bought into it. So it'll be at least uh, an interesting experiment. I think one interesting point in all of this is that it's kind of... A lot of people don't believe it until they see it and they hear these statistics about just how much more black people get pulled over for these minor violations that don't even end up in a ticket most of the time. And it's nice to see this bill being passed and people acknowledging that this is real and it's something we need to address. Guys, the remarkable thing about Pat and so many of our reporters here is that they are on double and triple and sometimes quadruple duty with stories. So I know we've got a lot to cover with Pat. I'm such a nerd about this federal corruption trial with John Doherty, Bobby Heenan. Pat, are you still hanging here? This is week number three. How are you holding up covering this trial? Well, you know, these trials can be very exciting, but most of the time, like 90 percent of the time, they're very boring. It's a lot of procedural <laughs> matters. And you're listening to tape recorded conversations, most of which don't really contain anything interesting. But I am hanging in there for those moments of great excitement. <laughs> That is all ahead today here on this edition of The Rundown. But first, it's time to take a look at our headlines. And Pat, she's covered so many different things. And one other thing that she's covered over the last week is the city of Philadelphia has a plastic bag ban that's actually been in effect for a little more than two weeks. Now, you've talked to some retailers and customers about how it's been going. And here's what some of those customers had to say about that bag ban. I hate it, actually. Um, I got a brown bag for the first time yesterday. It was a little difficult to carry. I like it. I've always been bringing my own for, like, years, so I'm all for it. People have had some obviously mixed opinions about this. Pat, could you give us some more information on this plastic bag ban here in the city of Philadelphia? Uh, yeah, the um, ban um, it technically took effect July 1st, but um, the first phase was just to educate stores and customers about the fact that beginning October 1st, the city was going to begin to issue warnings to people that were still giving out single-use plastic bags and uh, to warn customers that as of October 1st, if they didn't want their retailer to get those warnings, that they should bring their own bags. And I found really mixed results so far. The warning phase, uh, there are some people that just aren't taking it seriously. (laughs) And others are. So, And and, and customers seem to be adapting. I think customers are ready for this. So I am a, a person who has been using reusable bags for a while now. I'm all for this. Single-use plastic sucks. Um, but <laughs> one point in your in your article, Pat, that I thought was really interesting was that stores have plastic bags. So what are they going to do with, with them now? You know, technically you're not supposed to, but are they just going to throw those in the dump? That doesn't make sense. So they might as well still give them out until they start getting fined. As long as they don't buy more of them, then that 
doesn't make sense. Right. They were supposed to stop buying them as soon as the bill passed. And the whole point of the July to October phase one was to get rid of everything that you bought. But in the case of Klein Supermarket in Fairmount, the owner had ordered the bags from overseas before the bill passed, and they didn't come in until right before that July 1st effective date. And so the new owner, who who is the son of the old owners, it's family-owned grocery store, he's trying to sell them to customers in case customers like them to line their trash cans. Plastic bags are notoriously hard to recycle, but people reuse them for things. So he's he's hoping that customers will buy them in bulk. Pat, I was actually very heartened to read the quote you had in your story from council member Mark Squilla. It sounded very measured, like an understanding that this can't just be something that's you know, railroaded past a bunch of people at warp speed, that there needs to be a slow drip to it. Um, is that the take that most of city government is taking or is he, is he more by himself in the fact that this, this seems to be a very pragmatic and measured stance that he has on all this? No, you know, anybody that's been around city government knows that that's pretty much the approach that you have to take. And I go back to when the city started asking people to recycle, um, as you know, i very old and have been doing this a while. <laughs> and back in my first incarnation as a reporter in Philadelphia, that was the big issue. The city wanted to start recycling and people were absolutely resistant. I'm not going to separate recycling from my trash. I'm not going to do that. And there's no way. And of course, over time, it be, just becomes the practice. And so, uh, you know, these elected officials have seen that themselves and they know that, that that's how it goes. You just, you know, most people will follow the law once it's passed. Clearly, we'll see where this heads going forward because it's it's a part of a changing world. And we would never say that Pat is is just really, really old. She's just that you've you've managed veteran, to a veteran Experience. reporter, esteemed. an esteemed, <laughs> esteemed veteran reporter who's covered so many things here. Thank on the, you, on I appreciate that. She's, kind euphemisms. <laughs> <laughs> we try to find as many synonyms as possible around here, and one of the synonyms that we're trying to figure out now is not even a synonym; it's simply more of like just a, an adjective is new, as in a new superintendent here in the city of Philadelphia. And the Philadelphia School Board has now opened up surveys to find out what people want in a new superintendent. I think this is great in the fact that this does not seem like it's gradual and being slow rolled. It seems like the school district and school board have gotten right down to this in the short weeks that have passed since we first found out that William Height uh, is going to be stepping down next summer. And the fact that there's both virtual options for the school board to gauge the pulse of the public that it's serving. And also it looks like, I think Mike DiNardo snapped a picture of this for a story that he did uh, over the weekend, like these in-person kiosks in front of schools. I think it's great. And I think this is exactly the type of transparency that needs to be happening for a position to fill uh, as important as this. I think it's great that they're getting the, the pulse of the public on this one. Now, our education reporter, Mike DiNardo, asked some people here in the Philadelphia community what they want to see in their superintendent. Violet Smith, a district parent who filled out a school board survey at Overbrook Elementary School Thursday, said the new superintendent should make it a point to visit schools. Go around the neighborhoods and see what neighborhood, what the school is about. Talk to parents. Seventh grader Cecilia Henderson wants the new super to address something the district is already changing. I would like um, them to, you know, focus on getting good high schools into the grasp of students who 
want to go to those high schools. The district is starting a lottery to make admission to magnet schools more equitable. October 29th is the final date through which you can submit feedback. So that's nice. It's about a month-long process where people can can weigh in. One other thing today we're talking about is around, what was it, about 8 o'clock this morning? I think it was. I was, in, I was in the gym. I know some other people were maybe going to work or something like that. You hear about the death of Colin Powell, the former Secretary of State. He served as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff under two presidents, President George H.W. Bush and President Bill Clinton. He died from COVID-19 complications this morning, Sabrina. Yeah, and he was vaccinated. So it's, you know, one of those sad cases of a breakthrough. And gosh, just thinking of thinking of him not being present anymore is kind of it's just I'm still wrapping my brain around it. He was just such a big figure. Also, random fact and a connection to Philly, he was the voice of the first talking pedestrian crossing signal in the city. That's just such a strange and interesting thing to me. It is one of those random facts that gets the fun facts that gets tossed in here. And here's actually while he was here for the summit for America's future back in 1997, here I graduated high school, a call to action to volunteer to help the country's kids. Here's a part of that speech he gave at Independence Mall almost 25 years ago. All of us can touch someone who doesn't look like us, who doesn't speak like us, who may not dress like us, but by God, needs us in their lives. The first black secretary of state, Colin Powell, died at the age of 84 from complications of COVID-19. It should be noted he had also been dealing with cancer. He had also Mm. been going through cancer treatment for a blood cancer. He'd also been suffering through Parkinson's. And even though he was fully vaccinated, he was deeply immunocompromised because of the cancer treatment. So even though, yeah, you're vaccinated, you still want to get vaccinated because you want to protect against these things. This is also... A cautionary tale for why people need to be vaccinated and everybody around you needs to be vaccinated to make this as effective as possible for all of us. Colin Powell, again, 84 years old, passed away this morning. I think one thing just to touch upon real briefly is, um, listen, we we hear uh, a lot about mental health, holistic wellness these days, especially in the aftermath of the pandemic. Um, The Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles, have a pretty important player on their team, a guy who plays on the offensive line. His name is Lane Johnson, who missed the last three games for what had been termed by the team as a personal matter. Uh, He came out himself today and publicly said that he was dealing with depression and anxiety, things that he's dealt with for a long time. He's kept hidden from his friends and his family. Um, And and part of his message, he said, if you're reading this and struggling, please know that you're not alone. I think it's awesome that more and more public figures, uh, he's an athlete, and we've seen a lot of this from professional athletes, but just more and more public figures are being comfortable or getting to a place where they're comfortable talking about stuff like this because, um, listen, no one should have to feel like they are carrying a burden that they can't share with even friends and family. It is more refreshing to see that sort of thing, especially from pro football players. I've been there. I've openly talked about what I've dealt with before, kind of being in that place where your anxiety and your depression get the best of you. And sometimes you need to step away. And credit to the Eagles. Shout out to the Eagles for welcoming him back and allowing him that space in the midst of a season to miss three games, a guy who doesn't miss a lot of time to miss three games because he wanted to be better for himself. The more we do, and anyone, especially if you're a public figure, the more you can do to break down that stigma against mental health, the better, because it's something that we all deal with in some form or another, and we need to be able to talk about it. No one one should be going through this alone. When it comes to 
your inherent DNA and your wiring. I don't think there's any amount of money that can help you control the way you think or you feel or quote unquote how you should or shouldn't feel about certain things. So I feel like the more we have public people, particularly people with fame and stature and money, normalizing feelings that everyone experiences, I just think that's only going to do that much more good. And I also don't think that money – Having money means that you don't feel stress and pressure and things that could make you could anxious. Could make it worse. I mean this is a professional football player. A lot is riding on him a lot of the time. It, anxiety and in general, I don't care who you are, where you come from, we're in a pandemic. You could get anxious and it's okay. It is absolutely okay to acknowledge that. Plus more often than not, we just don't know what else these dudes are dealing with off the field. Make sure you try to be – I know this might be asking a lot – Try to be a little bit more understanding and a touch kinder to some of these guys out there. One last thing here. Today is also the deadline to register to vote here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Make sure you get that taken care of and get that checked out and get out there to vote. And we'll have more resources for people to be able to get registered to vote on our website, kywnewsradio.com. And now it's time for us on the rundown to take a look, a deeper look that is, at a story we just had late last week where the Philadelphia City Council has passed a bill that would prohibit traffic stops of some minor violations. Now, the data has shown that those violations have led to black drivers being more likely to get pulled over for these type of things. We're joined again by Pat Loeb. And Pat, you're helping us break this bill down. So, Pat, what kind of violations would this apply to? I know it was sponsored by Councilmember Isaiah Thomas. He sponsored it, calling it the Driving Equality Bill. So what exactly are these violations in this bill? These are low-level violations that he says 99% plus of the time uh, don't lead to anything further. And 90% of the time don't even lead to a ticket. Um, There are things such as an unlit taillight. Um, the temporary tag being in the wrong place or an obstruction over your back window. You know, sometimes people put temporary tags on their back window instead of in the uh, the license holder because they don't have the right hardware. And that's something that you could get pulled over for uh, right now before this bill takes effect. Um, and then operating a vehicle without a registration uh, apparent or without an emission inspection or about a regular without a regular inspection. It seems very mundane to pull pull somebody over for that. And Councilman Thomas went into a, a little bit greater explanation of it last week. And here's part of what he had to say. The data showed that black drivers were significantly more likely to be pulled over than our white counterpart. 72% of black Philadelphians have been pulled over. About 90% of driving stops are for coal violations that don't even warrant a ticket. Now, do you think those numbers are a surprise to a lot of people, both the, in terms of the racial disparity and the fact that most of these stops don't even end with a ticket, let alone an arrest or something major that's found? I don't think that anyone living in this world would doubt that there is a, a penalty for driving while black to, to try to refute those statistics. <laughs> uh, you'd have to be living under a rock, basically. And so the uh, concerns that were raised were about safety violations, not about racial disparities. Um, how would we enforce these laws if police can't pull people over? Speaking as a black man who has been pulled over numerous times for such things as taillights, I I famously once got pulled over for doing 40 in a 45-mile-per-hour construction zone, it does register 
with those of us, and I say us as in black men, black women, black people, we've been down that road where we've had questionable stops. And some of the arguments are, well, if we can't pull people over for these things, how can they be enforced? What if the, what if there's some public safety issue? And I know that was brought up as part of this bill. What could police do if they can't pull somebody over for a taillight or an inspection or things of that nature? Well, you know, the councilman's part of the councilman's argument is these aren't really safety concerns. <laughs> Driving without a registration or an emissions inspection uh, does not create a, a safety issue. Um, the councilman who was most vociferous in opposing it, Councilman David O, said, well, yes, but if you do those things, you can get your insurance canceled or you can be insured. But if you're in an accident and they found out there was no emissions inspection, that they could refuse to pay and so forth. And that the, you know, the issue really would be for another driver in the event of an accident. So is it a safety issue to begin with? That's that's a question. But it is a law. You know, you do have to drive you do have to have your car registered. You do have to have it inspected and your emissions inspected. Uh, the Philadelphia Parking Authority is actually authorized to write tickets for cars with uh, expired tags or without an emissions or regular inspection. And I am betting, having gotten tickets for that myself while parked, that that is the chief way that these violations are enforced through people walking by the car with the power to write a ticket. So those arguments did not prevail. <laughs> it, it did not. The bill passed 14 to 2. It should be noted that the two no votes were both the council's Republicans, including David O. What does that mean in how it passed so easily? And what has it taken to get this bill to where it is now? Because I'm guessing this is not something they just came up with just a couple of months ago. I know there's work that's been put into this. Right. Well, the councilman, Councilman Thomas introduced it before the summer break and held hearings on it, um, as all bills before council go through hearings. And once it got through the hearing phase, it was amended slightly during the hearing phase. But then even after it was introduced onto the floor of council, um, he met with the police and amended it again. Uh, One of the what he had called a, a low-level violation that you shouldn't be stopped for was uh, missing a muffler. And given the issues with ATVs roaring down the streets of Center City, he said that actually police should be able to pull you over for that. And then um, the tail light section, the missing tail light section, was amended to make it clear that you can't be pulled over for like one missing taillight. But if you have no taillights in the rear of your vehicle and it's dark out, you know, that does become a safety issue and police can pull you over for that. And things like that do make sense. It's when you don't have a light in the back. Yeah, you want to do that because late at night you can't see somebody. So some of these things do make sense. Now, there are people who also say this bill doesn't go far enough and that the police will just find another reason to pull over black drivers. How much of an effect do you think that this bill could have? I I actually think that this bill is going to have a huge effect. Um, First of all, police will be trained in the new procedures. There will be a special training just to deal with this bill and what it will mean for officers who are used to pulling people over for these offenses. And I also think, you know, the Philadelphia Police Department 
has changed, is changing, even as we speak. Um, 40% of the officers are African-American themselves. And so um, I think there's already been a, a decrease. There's a documented decrease in pedestrian stops. So I, I actually do think that this bill will make a big difference. You know, I just want to jump in and point out, because this goes back to the whole systemic racism thing, right? And how it's an unconscious bias often when police pull over black people and might suspect them of something with no good reason. Jay, you mentioned earlier when you were telling me about the the time that you got pulled over that, it, you know, the officer was sort of sniffing around. And often the idea is that they're going to search the car for drugs or something else. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I imagine that the idea behind this bill is to kind of stop that and stop the, like, prison pipeline that is just so biased towards putting black people in jail for small drug charges and things like that. Is there sort of a bigger systemic picture here that we're trying to address? You know, obviously, um, decarceration is a big issue for Philadelphia City Council, and Councilman Thomas is in the forefront of that. But I don't think that that's the intention of this particular bill. I think he really is trying to eliminate those traffic stops because, as as he said, more than 99 percent of the time, there is no further action there. It doesn't lead to any kind of arrest and 90 percent of the time, not even a ticket. So I, I really think what he's trying to do when, when he calls it driving equality. I really think that that is his goal. And just to quantify this, when when Sabrina referenced that, I said the cop started sniffing around. I didn't mean that like, no, he was a sniffing. No, he stuck his head in my car and like a dog. <laughs> started sniffing. I don't mean to laugh. It's I laughed horrible. at it sitting there <laughs> because I thought this dude really is sniffing around my car like a search dog. It was and I knew and that's immediately what told me what this was about that he thought that I was actually driving slow because I was being suspicious and not driving slow because I didn't want to get popped for a $500 ticket for doing for speeding through a construction zone. So that's what happened. So when she referenced sniffing, he literally was that was maybe the most ridiculous thing that I'd ever experienced in the numerous times I've been pulled over for minor infractions. I think in, that's in the kind life. of thing that people don't believe when they don't see it. You know, a white person who has never experienced that. And you're, you're saying this and you're like, well, OK, wait, really? He literally stuck his head in and, and sniffed around. That is just like an over the top caricature. <laughs> and I appreciate you sharing this the story, sharing this experience. Yeah, that is what we're trying to eliminate with this sort of a bill because it leads to distrust of police officers like why are you pulling us over and it doesn't appear like there's anything i was doing wrong this isn't about public safety i mean it's not even about a ticket as pat's pointed out they don't even get tickets half the time not even mm-hmm. half 90 percent of the time they don't get tickets on this it's it's just astonishing to see this the reality does not match the perception of what's going to happen in that situation pretty much now, Pat, before we let you go, we gotta we gotta get the update on one of the biggest stories here in the city so far, especially in the last couple of weeks. Currently, you're also covering the trial of Councilman Bobby Heenan and Union Leader John Doherty. So, do you have any updates on what you've seen so far in the trial today? Yes, we just entered week 
three. Um, the first witness was uh, Jolene Nieves Bison, who you may know as the public information officer for the city controller's office. She's actually been in a bunch of different departments as a public information officer, including Councilman Heenan's office at the time that the FBI was investigating him. And she talked about the search of the offices in October of 2016 and kind of how that influenced the atmosphere in the office. She said it was tense and uncomfortable and uh, strained. (laughs) She, in fact, was at an event that the councilman had planned months in advance and and she showed up and he wasn't there um, because, of course, his offices were getting (laughs) raided by the FBI. Um, And then they moved into some more wiretap conversations. And these did not include Bobby Heenan, but they were between the electricians union leader, John Doherty, and his political director, Marita Crawford, and they were about Councilman Heenan. And, you know, the government has said that Doherty bribed Heenan to take official acts on Doherty's behalf. But these conversations were about Heenan not acting on Doherty's behalf and then, you know, not getting um, financial support that he was seeking for his reelection campaign. So they're kind of coming at it from the opposite angle. This thing just continues to develop. I know last week the deputy mayor ended up taking the stand in one of those days. And we've also spoken about uh, Carlton Williams being getting up there to testify as well. We're obviously going to continue to keep an eye on this because it seems like just about every person in city government at some point is going to end up having to get on that stand and testify in this thing from what it looks like as we we roll along. We want to once again thank Pat Loeb for joining us today for this edition of The Rundown, which is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcast. Again, this show is produced by the world's greatest tag team, Sabrina Boyd-Circa and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KYW News Radio is Tom Rickard. I'm Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith, J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H. It's Real Jay Scott Smith on Facebook and on Instagram. You can also hear me every afternoon on KYW News Radio, 103.9 FM, 1060 AM, or right here on the Odyssey app at 3 o'clock for Philadelphia's afternoon news. Be sure to follow The Rundown on Twitter at The Rundown PHL. And, of course, you can always find us right here on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, for Sabrina Boyd-Circa, Pat Loeb, and Brian Seltzer, I'm Jay Scott Smith thanking you for joining us on this Monday edition of The Rundown. <laughs>